This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. And if that's the case, then people need to start organizing their workplaces, right? right? Start a labor union, do some research on how to start a labor union. Because we have power in numbers, you know, if we're communicating with, you know, our our co-workers who are dealing with the same struggles that we're talking about with this housing crisis, with uh, unfair, uh, you know, working conditions, then we need to organize all together to push back against these very corporations that are hurting us all. That was the voice of council member Chi Ose in conversation with the Hot 97 crew. Shout out to Ebro, Laura Styles, Rosenberg. They cool. I like them. I uh, appreciate them a whole lot. Ebro is a, is a good brother, and I appreciate that they have used their platform to amplify some of these conversations. And when I heard that clip come across my timeline, I was like, I know that brother. Chi Ose, that's my council member because I literally voted for this guy uh, because I was impressed with his handling of the issues, his unapologetic approach to dealing with new nuanced, complicated topics that had a direct impact on the lives of people of the city. Uh, Councilmember Chi Ose is a council member for the 36th District, representing Bedford-Stuyvesant and North Crown Heights. He entered politics as an organizer. Y'all know I love me some organizing activists elected officials and it was a very prominent figure in the local black lives matter movement and at 23 years old he was elected in 2021 as literally the youngest member of the council and the only gen z member he's the co-chair of the brooklyn delegation and chairs the new york city council committee on cultural affairs libraries and international intergroup relations and outside of his committee he focuses on uh, innovative human-centered public safety solutions in his first term he passed life-saving legislation to provide anti-overdose medication to bars and nightlife establishments um, and he did us all a solid by passing a l- nice legislative package to handle the big problem in New York City and that's the rats I know y'all love the Times Square and you love all the things but we have to deal with the rats when we live in New York City uh, and Councilmember Ose helped to pass some legislation that was really effective in that regard Councilmember Ose it's a real pleasure to have you here this morning thank you for being with us today Thank you so much for having me on. And oh my God, that was the best introduction I've ever received in my entire life. I remember that next time I have to advocate for something. (laughs) Absolutely, I will, I will. Listen, you know, the work that we do on these airwaves, yes, but the work that we do at the Center for Law and Social Justice at Medgar Evers College really is an extension. This show is an extension of that work, and we are very Mm -hmm. much concerned about not just having representation, Councilmember Osei. We want representation in the elected space that is effective, representation Mm -hmm. that's going to say things with its full chest, representation that is going to call the hard shots and, and really show up for the people in ways that, unfortunately, is not as common as we would like it to be. Talk with us about how your background as an organizer, your perspective as a member of Gen Z, how do those elements help to really fuse the way that you engage in your legislative uh, outreach and organizing and in the activism that you carry into the city council with you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I jumped into politics in the wake of the murder of George Floyd um, because I was uncomfortable with the level of complacency that existed within all levels of government, uh, but most especially within local government. And I know that so many people show up to the polls uh, every four years to vote in presidential elections, but local government is really uh, where we see the most effective change, in my belief, 
uh, on the ground in the neighborhoods in, in which we live. And I was very uncomfortable with the level of complacency that existed within uh, these levels of office um, and wanted to not you know, wait any longer to to take a take a chance and run for office to see if I could be the change maker myself. So uh, in the year and a half that I've been in office, uh, you know, I navigate this this world with a, a level of urgency, and I think that level of urgency exists within my generation and, and Gen Z. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, in my age range are, are 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 wanting to see changes within racial injustice, climate injustice, uh, a plethora of different issues that we can no longer wait for those who are in office who are, you know, boomers or baby boomers um, are, are putting on the sidelines. So uh, I'm truly trying to work as hard as I can uh, to make sure that that our issues are represented uh, within the, the, the office that I, I hold today. One of the things that's really excited me about folks like yourself, uh, Maxwell Frost, the Gen Z elected official class, the Justins out of Tennessee, mm -hmm. uh, although I might I kind of feel like they might be Gen X. I, I might be claiming them inappropriately. <laughs> Let me go ahead and give them to Gen Z. Uh, but one of the things that excites me about the, the Gen Z elected officials that we are seeing across the country is there's just a, an... Uh, an unwillingness to hold back in terms of what needs to be said. Y'all say things and it's like, oh, I was thinking that I might not have never said it, but y'all say the things that need to be said. And it's mm -hmm. electrifying for those of us who have known that there is there has to be a, a, a connection between elected officials and community in different ways. It is absolutely electrifying. But at the same time, council member, one of the things that we grapple with, particularly at uh, the Center for Law and Social Justice, is the fact that Gen Z, uh, I believe like I heard, read uh, statistic that like within the next 10 years gen z and millennials are going to be the largest voting blocks and yet yeah. we're not seeing gen z turning out at the polls unless it's like a, an issue like what we saw in ohio yesterday with the special election something specific to abortion we're still having some difficulty getting the turnout that we want to see from young people because you know uh, one of our, our voting rights coordinator isaiah fenichel he has this concept that says listen when he's talking to young folks he's gen z as well he's like we aren't voting the old people are voting and the old people are voting Voting policies into existence that they're going to be dead before the impact hits. We're going to be stuck dealing with the policies that the old people voted into office. He's a little more respectful about it when he says it. But mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you think we're missing when it comes to really activating Gen Z in a way that's going to not just be issue specific, but overall civic engagement specific? Yeah, so I'm going to have to to correct you right there. I mean, Gen correct Z Correct right. Go yes. Go ahead. Yes, ahead. Gen yes. Z is a generation that is turning out more than any uh, youth movement or generation in the past. I mean, we saved our democracy in the midterms in 2022. Uh, we saw record turnouts of people of the age of 18 uh, to, to 29 um, in those races on, on a national level. That's why we didn't lose the Senate. And, you know, in terms of the, the turnover of the House, uh, the damage wasn't as bad as it would have been. Uh, when I ran in 2020 for my election in 2021, uh, we doubled youth turnout um, between 2013 and 2021. I mean, Gen Z is really turning out. And I know, of course, that there is this, uh, you know, guys that, that young people don't vote in elections. And of course, we need to be doing more to get young people to come out and vote in these races. Uh, but in history, Gen Z has really proven folks wrong. Uh, in mm. 2024, in okay. the next presidential election, 40% of the electorate will be Gen Z uh, and millennials. Um, and that's because of, you know, elected officials like myself, like Justin Jones, like Congress member Frost, you know, we're really, uh, giving it to people straight, you know, something that I think so many Americans are, um, 
discomforted by is, you know, political speak uh, and, you know, elected officials giving them BS answers when they just want straightforward responses to many of the problems that we're all dealing with. Um, and I found that, you know, young people who are running for office, who hold seats within office, um, are really telling it to people like it is. And because of that, because of that honesty, as well as the issues like abortion rights, like gun control, uh, like climate injustice, uh, more and more young people within my generation are turning out. So, um, of course, we're always we're always going to grapple with the fact that that young people are not uh, turning out as much as as those who are, uh, you know, a couple decades older than us. Um, but we're really um, making significant progress and getting young people um, out in, in, in many of these races. Uh, my so goal is to, to make sure that we're turning out as many young people within these local races. Uh, and yeah. again, you know, I, I doubled I doubled that youth turnout only within my city council district, uh, which I'm hoping uh, to try to replicate across the, the five boroughs. It was interesting to see some of the elders during that election in particular. Uh, who is this boy? This chief? Oh, who, who is he? And then, oh, I like what he has to say. <laughs> so, so it definitely is a message that's translating. So then I thank you for that correction. It's not that Gen Z isn't turning out. It's that Gen Z, obviously, you know, we have the elders who are going to always sort of, they've baked turning out into sort of their culture of elders. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's a false comparison. I appreciate that pushback. So then uh, Council Member Ose, can you help me understand understand how we the non-Gen Zers can better connect with the Gen Z members of the populace that are engaging in turnout that are looking to help people uh, understand the importance of local elections maybe the problem is us and we need to adjust how we're approaching this topic and, and sort of change our mindset what what advice would you have for we the non-Gen Zers about how we can one better connect with members of Gen Z and two factor their concerns more into our political analysis overall Absolutely. And that's that's a great question and something that I, I try to uh, navigate every single day. You know, even after getting elected, I still uh, experience ageism, um, being a young person mm -hmm. in office. And um, I think that, you know, my request to folks who are not in Gen Z and, and a part of an older electorate is just to keep an open mind. Um, I've seen so many times in the past young people proposing ideas um, and wants for change within our city, state, and country, um, and immediately being shut down based off of how they look and their age and um, the age that they actually are. I remember knocking doors uh, when I was running for office and people laughing at me after asking me what my age was and me telling them. Uh, but at the same time, there were so many voters uh, who were excited about seeing you know, a young individual like myself uh, working to to make my community better. So I, I really just ask for people to keep uh, an open mind um, and to not shut young voices out. You know, I think that the more we divide ourselves based off of age and race and sexual orientation, uh, the, the, the more we're giving um, a handout to to those powers that exist that are, are harming us in our communities, right? Um, I believe that an intergenerational working class movement, uh, you know, interracial movement is, is how we'll all secure uh, the wins that we we all want in this country, whether it's, uh, you know, universal health care, uh, the right to house to housing, um, you know, canceling student debt, uh, things that are, are, are common sense issues that that we all want. Um, instead of us, you know, fighting uh, because of our, our age or, or judging one because they haven't been on this earth as long as we have, uh, I always want us to 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 keep our, our eyes on the larger, greater picture 
um, and that's you know combating these this very small minority um, that is making our lives as as uncomfortable as it can be. Mm, I really appreciate that. Let's talk about another one of the arenas where uh, we are seeing more coalition and less division. Well, it depends mm -hmm. on whether or not you're a corporate boss or not. Uh, you you mentioned a phrase called "hot union summer." in your conversation with the good folks at Hot 97. What, what is Hot Union Summer for those who are not familiar with it? And why does the, the labor movement, as it is growing and expanding right now, why is that relevant to all of us, regardless of age? Yeah, so it's it's hot labor summer, which I think is um you know a play on on Megan the Stallion's hot girl summer, and I think this phrase was coined by Chris Smalls, who was the lead organizer behind oh, Amazon. Uh, the Amazon Warehouse uh, yes. Union, um, yeah. which which took which was a historic um you know event that took place a, a couple years ago or last year, um in uni in unionizing Amazon workers in Staten Island, and you know I think it 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 represents the unease that so many Americans are, are dealing with in terms of the struggles that they have uh, in this country. You know, they're not being paid enough. Prices of everything is going up. Uh, their worker protections aren't, um, you know, as, as good as they need to be. Um, you know, it's the, the minimum wage is not increasing as much as inflation is increasing. People are fed up with uh, putting in so much work um, working as much as they they are. And I know production has gone up over the past decades. People are, un are uncomfortable with that being the case. And um, unions are a great uh, pathway and strategy for, for people to, to make their lives just a little bit easier, right? If I'm working this hard for a corporation, that a corporation that's making billions and billions of dollars off of my labor, maybe I do deserve healthcare. Maybe I do deserve, mm. uh, you know, better working conditions. Maybe I do deserve uh, sick, sick paid leave. And I think that that feeling um, and, and these victories that, that people are seeing across across this country is inspiring uh, industries uh, ranging from, you know, actors to Amazon employees to, to you know, uh, people who work for, for various different apps. And that's so essential, right? Um, the worker movement is that that intergenerational, interracial, um, you know, movement uh, that will secure us th the wins and the victories that that will make our lives um, a life worth living. So uh, that hot labor summer is is something that we're seeing right now too. I think a lot of people are, are getting involved, um, you know, this summer. But I hope it it, it continues, um, you know, every season uh, moving forward. Yeah, because I, I would like a nice uh, pumpkin spice latte fall. I wouldn't yes. mind a, a good Kwanzaa fall, you know, labor. You know what I mean? I, we, we could, we could yes, make this a whole year-round thing. Absolutely, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could brand it. We could make this whole thing. Uh, you know, uh -huh. one of the challenges we have when it comes to labor struggles is, is also, I think, generational. Uh, there are folks out there who say, well, you got a good job. Keep your head down. Work hard. And then there are folks who say what you said. Well, if I'm, if I'm doing a lot of hard work for a corporation that's mm -hmm. making billions of dollars, then should not be able to eat when I go home. Like, should I be able to afford housing? And, and so this idea that we are seeing coming out of the pandemic and with the rise of Gen Z and, and the millennial generation really grappling with the pandemic in ways that were unique mm -hmm. to them, Gen X as well, uh, we're seeing almost a, a reworking of the labor 
condition relationships when it comes to expectations. Like now there's an mm-hmm. expectation that I should have hybrid working as an option. There's an expe- there's a demand mm-hmm. um, to hold on to some of what I considered some of the gains for, for labor coming out of the pandemic. I know it's a weird way to frame it, but you know, as someone who is a, who is a proud union member only of the non-racist mm-hmm. unions, cause y'all racist unions, y'all, y'all got a problem, <laughs> but the non-racist unions, but there, it felt like we were at a moment council member when we were effectively have seeing the the recalibration of our relationship to right. labor and a recalibration of that that notion that we owe our lives to this job are we going to be able to hold on to that do you think it, as we continue to to grapple with what labor union battles look like or labor battles look like as we continue to to grapple with the fact that you know right now the the writers who are on strike and the actors who are on mm-hmm. strike they're striking to maybe make $26,000 so that they can hold on to their health care right. while right. corporate the, the leaders of the or entities are making billions of dollars. So it, how long is, are we going to be able to hold on to the recalibration effort, do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have so much hope in, in what's going on right now. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about this and I've be, been able to speak about this uh, in multiple outlets is is great, right? It's becoming part of our culture uh, to speak about unionizing and uh, how we deserve, uh, you know, all of these things that that we know we deserve, right? Um, that wasn't the case 15, even 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to see that industries uh, that are so different from one another um, are, are, are joining this movement. And, and that's what gives me hope. Um, you know, I think that uh, we need to be supporting and speaking about um, you know, what's going on and, and, and how uh, these different industries are are striking and are unionizing. And we need to put as much attention um, on their efforts because their wins um, eventually will be our wins. I mean, we don't know when our next, um, you know, workplace is going to be threatened by by some of the same issues that that they are. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm deeply inspired by basically the change in culture and, and how we talk about unionizing, how we talk about uh, the the workers movement um, and how much progress we've made since, you know, as I said in the clip that you played before, you know, Ronald Reagan and Republicans did a lot of work to try to dismantle this. And the fact that it's coming back like this mm. um, is unfortunate because of how, uh, you know, people's lives are, are not, um, you know, a, a life of ease, but um, it's, it's, it's beautiful that, that we're all banding together um, and moving towards a common goal. Yeah. Let's shift now briefly. I, I know we have just a moment or two left to, to representation and race. Right. We, mm-hmm. we, you and I are in a city where there's an abundance of black representation, really in a state where there's an abundance of black representation. And there is still sometimes a, a tension between the, the black community's willingness to demand from elected officials what mm-hmm. other communities might be willing to demand from theirs. I, I think it has a lot to do with the nature of our relationship to elected power. It's so new. We only got the right to vote like in mm-hmm. the 60s. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it makes mm-hmm. sense that we would have a different approach to that. But when it comes to uh, black m- community members who are looking at representation that looks like them, but that is not necessarily meeting their needs, there seems to be still a tension in how we advocate for what we need uh, without violating the, well, you can't speak against mm-hmm. the brother, you can't speak against the sister, they from the community, we, we got to handle mm-hmm. this in-house. You're a black elected official who is mm-hmm. in a body where you all don't agree, and you may not always agree with the leadership of the city. Do you have any advice for folks who are trying to figure out how they get the benefits of having representation on the ground in the community in a practical way while still sort of 
paying attention to this line that says we can't criticize and openly hold our elected officials to account the same way that other communities do because they, whoever that they is, are always looking to tear us down. As a black elected official, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think representation is such a nuanced uh, topic when it comes to to politics and uh, representation within politics. You know, I, I obviously have to acknowledge when I ran for office and even in, in my, my tenure now, you know, I ran on being the young candidate um, with all of this energy. And I think it was essential that and still essential that we elect young people in office. But I also always want to advise people to never let uh, you know, that that representation of, of who someone is or the background of where they come from be something that blinds them uh, of their responsibility to hold mm -hmm. elected officials accountable. I mean, you know, given right now, we have a lot of black people in power uh, within this city and state, you know, even our, our mayor who is who is black, you know, he um, was responsible for increasing the rents of rent stabilized uh, apartments two years in a row, you know, at wow. historic levels, you know, that's really going to harm um, black tenants of, of New York City who are already being gentrified out of their neighborhoods. Mm. And um, I want people to be more, um, you know, in, in general, uh, focused on, on what's happening in, in politics and who's funding our politicians, because, you know, these these corporations, these developers, these landlords um, are, 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 are taking note that, you know, our communities really prioritize representation uh, wow. when it comes to, to political power. Um, but, you know, you you and I both know this, old skin folk ain't kin folk, mm. right? Um, mm. But it has been used as a tool uh, from some of these larger powers to, to influence decisions um, and, and create a bigger tent um, of folks to, to elect individuals who would do their bidding. So um, I want people to be very wary about representation and not let it be the end all be all um, right. in electing someone. Um, and how yeah. folks do their own research, which of course is is harder, um, you know, to do in a in a society where people are already as det detached from politics as they already are. Um, but yeah, wow. that's my my take on that. Um, even in terms of my advocacy in electing more young people in office, I don't just want to elect young people who are going to do the same old you know, things, right? I want to elect young people who are not taking money from fossil fuel companies or from the NRA um, or from, you know, uh, real estate who wants to to raise our rents within the, the constituency or the districts that we represent, right? I want young people who are going to be unbought and unbossed, like Shirley Chisholm, um, you know, once said. And, and I want to make sure that within our runs and within uh, you know, my time in office, I'm, I'm continuing that education of what um, representation, not only in terms of race and, and background looks like, but what uh, good and true representation in elect an elected official looks like. I, I think one of the key takeaways I am going to take from this most recent response was that it, it's not even so much about us prioritizing representation. It's that people in power with money know that mm -hmm. we prioritize representation over actual tangibles and they are able to play a role in that as well. That I, I think is extraordinarily well said. Uh, and in addition to increasing rents on rent stabilized apartments two years in a row, we also know that mm -hmm. the, the current mayor has, has made uh, indications that stop and frisk 
frisk should be brought back. Uh, this was a very mm-hmm. controversial policy that ended up uh, stopping and frisking oh, more black back. men than lived there. It yeah, is it's back. back. And, and, and it, yeah. it, the racial disparity is there as well. And so I really appreciate this that notion that representation cannot be the end-all, be-all, because mm-hmm. those who are in power and know that are able to manipulate our emotions in order mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. access to power, and we'll just feel good because they look like us, even though we mm-hmm. can't afford the apartments that were rent-stabilized for us. Councilmember yep. Chiose, how can people follow you? You have a vibrant social media presence. I think folks should be following you, and other elected officials should be learning from how this brother does social media. How can people <laughs> follow you and connect with you going forward? Yes, follow me on Instagram at Chi Ose, that's C-H-I-O-S-S-E. Uh, my Twitter is Osei Chi, so O-S-S-E-C-H-I. And please follow me on TikTok. We're very active on there. Chi, the number four, NYC. Uh, Chi for NYC. So please follow me on those accounts. Uh, it's honestly entertainment and educational. And I think it's the future and how we, uh, you know, talk about politics and government and things that matter. Uh, And I'm very uh, proud of the work that we do on my social channels. Yeah. And if the lines from the Rent Guidelines Board hearings uh, are any indication, all them people said they were there because of your social media. And that line was out the door. Uh, (laughs) Councilmember Chio say we appreciate you. Thank you for giving us some factual information to grapple with and, and helping us to figure out how we can show up better as we engage electorally. Really appreciate having you here. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. 